if I'm Timmy and future me is dad, looking back, like I want to make that man proud. And that man's the only man who knows how hard I could have tried. Only you can compare your effort to what you know you could have tried. Mm. And I think that's like that gap is what I'm trying to close in myself. And that's the like that's the journey I'm on right now. And the business is just the outward manifestation of that. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer, and how to keep them longer, and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Have you seen egoless, successful people? Totally. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, 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 I mean, I don't think any human has no ego, but I think that you absolutely can have. I mean, one of the most successful, actually, uh, the two largest companies in our portfolio are headed by couples, uh, husband, wife, duos where they both are aware of their deficiencies. They both cover for one another. Um, and I would say that they're the most uh, anxiety-ridden of them, of like, are, am I doing good enough? Is, is this right? Like, I feel like we should be doing more. Mm-hmm. Like, paranoia around improving the product, the service, the the culture, the business overall. Whereas the more ego-driven ones want to reflect more of the the greatness of the business onto themselves. They want to take more of the credit. They, um, they tend to, like, hog more of the work. They don't delegate well. They can't attract talent at scale mm. because... Only assholes want to work for assholes, and so it's like it just—it just. I, I think I was kind of conflating ego with confidence too. Yeah, I think you're talking about totally self-awareness, right? Yeah, well, confidence—I would just—I would define as the percentage likelihood that what you say will happen will happen. Mm. So, like, if he's a confident guy, like, and you can be confident at public speaking and not confident at doing math, because the percentage likelihood that the speech goes the way you want it to is high, versus the percentage likelihood that you do the Excel sheet right is low. You can be confident in different arenas versus just confident overall. And so I think that that's like just a, a segue on that for confidence. I think it's it's nuanced in terms of like, where are we applying it? It seems like people who run purely on ego, they they can get to a high place, but it's kind of like a house of cards. Like they they don't have a stable foundation. Yeah. It can be. It's just, it's it's usually because, so in general, and this is massive generalizations here. Now, are there super successful people who are super ego driven? Absolutely. Um, but I would say that they... I would make the argument that they succeed despite their ego. Mm. Meaning if they did all of the things that they did that are right and they didn't have an ego, they would be more successful. Mm. So it's not that like ego prevents success. It just doesn't, I don't think it causes success. I think that some people who have egos become successful. Some people who don't have egos become successful. But the things that need to be done are the things that drive the performance. Like either you advertised or you didn't. Either you built the sales team or you didn't. Either you had a good product or you didn't. Whether you're an ego-driven asshole or a really kind person. Mm irrelevant but in terms of how we want to live life and who we want to hang out with on a daily basis because at the end of the day like i'm gonna die no one's gonna remember me anyways um i'd rather hang out with people with more stuff does that fuck you up that people won't remember us anyways no i think it's really freeing because you just feel like what's your own life make it what it is yeah do it for you when you so when, when did you start making content 26, seven months ago, somewhere in there. And then, so what's your output per week these days? I think right now we're about 300 a week. More? Three, 300, 350. 350 pieces. No, pieces of content a week. And so, so Posts, with, your, with your videos, shares, with your like videos, because yeah. I found you through YouTube videos. Mm. And so, do you, do you basically go, if you're like speaking to someone, an idea pops in your head, like that'd be a good video. Or do you have like a brainstorm sesh where you're like, I'm gonna do a video on this topic, you know? So my but, brainstorming is Twitter or X mm-hmm. now. That's where I do all my brainstorming. Mm-hmm. So I probably tweet like five times a day. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, as things come to me, and if there's a lot of traction on it, then I'll make a short about it. And if there's a lot of traction on that, we'll make longs about it. 
Right. And are you conscious of your brand while you're tweeting? Like, do you ever have Hold thoughts on. and you're like, oh, that's a good thought, but it doesn't really fit into like the kind of culture I'm building around this thing? I think it'd be less that, because if it's from me, it's going to be on brand for me. So you believe it's it's a wide scope what works because it's all it's narrow as long as it's authentic. I'm, I'm I'm me. So I have lots of different aspects. Like was once a frat bro, also management consultant, also a gym bro, also an investor. Like I have a lot of things that are just like part weird of you. to Yeah, exactly. And so like if it's if it relates to things that are part of me, then it is on brand for me. If if I'm gonna say it, then it's on brand. Where but it might not be contextual to the platform. Right. It's not form fit for where where right. you're talking. It just might not be a good X piece of content. X as in X.com. So if you're like, yeah. trees should be blue, you're like, maybe not on X. Maybe that belongs Somewhere in a else. painting. Yeah, if if that's, uh, if that were core to my brand, which I don't talk about trees much or the color blue. <laughs> is there a reason? <laughs> on the blue kick, I guess. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. Because that's what um, stuck out to me there. Yeah. Um, well, none of my, I'm trying to think, I don't think any of our brands are blue. Um, what, we, can, we, have, we can pop, we can circle. Hmm? Well, Leeds is blue. That's right. The, the book is blue. The book is blow. But so you, you'll put out a tweet and what you get back tells you if that's a good idea or not. From the market. Yeah. They tell me if they think it's interesting. Like I say, I think this is interesting. If they like and share it, they tell me they think it's interesting too. I, I, I'm with you. I worked at a super liberal place and they would complain about like Iggy Azalea doing like uh, appropriating culture. And I'd be like, well, kind of let the market decide. And then yeah. it would turn them off. They were like, don't talk like that. And I was like, well, if people like it, there must be some kind of utility to it. And I don't think she's the best, but I think time will don't, settle don't. these things. But uh I, I, how do you, how do you reconcile that when people feel like taste and even sometimes morality can be adjudicated through the market? Adjudicated. Is that the right word? No, I just don't know what it means. Like when think when people think that stuff should be worked out by the market. Oh, um, I don't touch morality stuff often because I'm like yeah, because what's super, the point? Yeah, yeah, right. Like there, there are if if. If I can't if I can't say this is true, this isn't true, um, then I usually don't touch it. So like all of the content that I make, I have two boxes for it. I just want it to be true and I want it to be useful. And so like if I say some things work and some things don't, then that is true. Is it useful? Not really. If I say, uh, hey, XYZ, when someone walks in the door, you know, give them a checklist and they'll be more likely to buy. It works, but it's not always true. Mm. And so what I try and do is find the sweet spots where it says in this context, in a weight loss sale, if you ask, if you put this checklist in front of people and you don't do anything different in the process, a higher percentage of people buy. That's both true and useful. And so that's kind of where the the sweet spot of where I try to make content. And that's what the books are about is like, if I put something out, I don't want anyone to be able to say like, that's wrong. I mean, they can say that's wrong, but that's their problem. But in terms of like, you know, it works. This is like, if more people find out about your stuff, more people will buy it, period. Mm. Who Fight me. And so that's really like when I when I create the arguments that are inside of like the books that I have and the content I put out, it's always based on those types of arguments. It's like, if you do more of this thing, you will make more money, period. What, what do you think is the biggest mistake content creators make today? Not being them. Yeah. 100%. Well, try, like basically getting taken over by the algorithm and then like talking about blue trees when they don't actually fuck with blue trees. 
Right. But they did it because they did one blue tree post so and people glad you brought that back. Right, dude. Had to. <laughs> uh, and so they got a lot of likes and they're like, maybe I'll start making more stuff on blue trees. But like then they go down that alleyway for six months or a year and then they're like, Oh, I'm like the blue tree channel, but like I don't even care about trees. Like that's not even the stuff I like talking about. And so they can't actually sustain it because the biggest brands are built over decades, not days or weeks or months. And so you have to optimize again, like remember starting at the end, or at least for me, starting at the end and then working your way backwards. It's like the only thing that will persist over my entire life is me. Mm-hmm. And so for my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you can so, always fall back on that being there because it's I'm going to be as long as you're well, here. as long as I'm alive, I'll be there. here. Yeah. Right. And so if everything that I talk about is related to stuff that I fuck with, then it will always be on brand for me. Now, what's cool is that my interests will slowly morph and shift over time, but it usually doesn't happen overnight. And so there's something called successive approximation. But basically, it's like you can it's like slow boiling frog. Right, like you, like the the Bud Light Dylan Mulvaney thing was going from like cold water to hot water. Yeah. Now, if they'd done that over thirty years, it probably would have no been fine and seamless. Mm. Right, but it was too big of a shock too soon, mm. and so it's about having like a hundred tiny iterations. That that's how you can like steer These are a oil brand. tankers. We're yeah. moving them slow, baby. Yeah, we're Titanicking minus the iceberg. They hit an iceberg. Yeah, they hit an iceberg. They did. So, yeah. so are you saying follow follow your inspiration? Is that correct? all the things that you're interested? In. Yeah, sure. I just use it. I, inspiration always like scares me yep. as a work. Like I feel like it means so many things to different people. But, right. Like, if yeah. you're interested in it, then I think talk about it. Yeah, I guess I guess it's like uh, follow what uh, you're sort of a create. Is creative spark the right word? Sure. Yeah. I'll say there's there's two also two categories of creators that I think is probably worth delineating. So everything I just talked about, I would say is is is, is more for entertainers. Mm-hmm. So on the other hand, you've got educators, mm-hmm. and I think there's way more mistakes in the education side than there is in the entertainment side. The entertainment loop is the algorithm loop where they start to like making content about stuff they don't actually care about because they think it's going to feed the algorithm. Right. The the educators start trying to teach on stuff that they haven't done, and so they try and pretend they have more authority so that they can get more views but they don't have that mm-hmm. and so at some point they feel like a fraud because they are mm. um like that's the, like people are like how do you deal with imposter syndrome i was like you don't have it if you did what you're talking about right yeah like i don't have imposter syndrome about talking about investing it's what i do every day right so, so you, like are you I suspicious no, of like academics a little bit in that respect um not no. suspicious but are you a little bit like because I had that too. It's like when you're in film school and you have a teacher, but then you check his IMDb and he hasn't made movies. You're like, well, you're telling me this shit, but you haven't sold anything more than I have at this point. I think that, I mean, I would say that that is the most legitimate uh, complaint. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that all content is consumed within the context of the creator's background. So like, for example, if I tweet on the ivory throne, it might get likes, it might not. <laughs> if Elon Musk does it, it'll get a zillion shares and likes and whatever because it's consumed within his context. Right. Which to be fair, that context for many times is the brand itself. Mm-hmm. But part of the brand, the things that we've associated with it, right, are the background evidence that the person is who they say they are. Mm. And so like I had, you know, just under a $50 million exit. You know, we have a portfolio right now that does plenty of money. Um, and so people have that evidence. So when I say, hey, when I'm buying companies, like if I, t- so if you would ask me, what do you look for in companies that you're trying to buy? And I'm a, a, a school teacher that doesn't have an investment portfolio. And I give you my answer. They could say the exact same words as me, but everyone would be like, you're full of shit. No, it's like yeah. when I talk about how to win at basketball, it doesn't have the same credence as when MJ does it. Yeah. Which disappoints me because I know what I'm talking about. And I think it's valid. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, that's like specialist. <laughs> That's the that's like the number one that's like the the biggest was like the entertainers go down the algorithm trap of of talking about stuff that they're not actually interested in. Educators go down to the ego and status faking track, the Mm -hmm. fake it till you make it, which I'm so 
aggressively against. Right. Like just be real about the stuff that you actually have done. And if you want, like in in my world, it's the opposite. It's do crazy shit and then you can talk about it. Yeah. And then was there a point in your, did you want to get into content creation prior to, before you started doing it? Or was there a point where you're like, I think I've earned enough at this point to where I can legitimately talk about what I want to talk about? So two things. Um, I've made content, but the content was different over whatever season I was in. Like, so when I owned my gyms, I was talking about like, intermittent fasting and mm-hmm. like programming and is stuff. Is that good by the way? Intermittent? If you, if you stick with it, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, good to know. But uh, from, a, from a creation perspective, I just saw the content as just like lead nurture. Like people might click an ad, see some content and then decide to buy. It wasn't to get customers. It was just to let people know that I wasn't a total idiot. Like right. that was it. Once, once we, it was probably it was two and change years ago, um, I saw, I mean, this is ridiculous, but I'll share it anyways. Um, so Kylie Jenner became a billionaire or like she was on the cover of Forbes and she was like 20 and I was 27 and I felt so poor and bad. A little and inadequate I, compared to her. Of course. Yeah. Um, and so whenever, so I have this rule with business, which is like, if someone's making more money than you, then they're better at the game of business in some way than you are. And you have something to learn from them. Mm. Doesn't mean you have to like, just because you learn from someone doesn't mean you need to become them. And I think that's a huge one. It's like, I can learn, like, I'm going to take a really extreme example of somebody who has zero stoke, but like, you can look at Hitler and think there are things we can learn from this. Now, obviously there are things that we should learn from it in the other way, which is like, we'll learn what not to do. But in terms of like creating a movement, in terms of oration, rhetoric, like there's a lot of things that he had that that were good, just used for the wrong means, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And so bringing it back, bringing it back home to content, um, Kylie Jenner hit the front page. I felt inadequate. And then Conor McGregor, like months later, had proper 12, sold for 600 million. And then uh, Clooney had just had his, the first ever of, you know, uh, what was Casamigos. it? Casamigos. Casamigos uh, sold for a billion. And then The Rock had Terramana. And then Huda Beauty was a, a big influencer and she sold a portion for 600 million as well. And so it was like within this, this like corridor of like 12 months, like all these massive exits happened from all these people who had big personal brands. Mm. And I had this belief. I was like, I feel like I'm good at business. And so like at the time, I think I, I'd taken home that year, like something like 17 million in income, like mm-hmm. that year. And I was like, I felt like I was hot shit. But when I saw that, I was like, I don't know anything. Mm. And so that was when I started getting into the idea of like, maybe I should build a personal brand. Maybe I should start making content. I still didn't like the idea of like being famous because I kind of like being more like just doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. But I had a friend of mine who's um, really big, uh, kind of like celebrity. And I was at I was at his house talking over the kitchen table. I said, don't you get tired of like the death threats and the letters to your kids and like all the stuff. And he was like, if that's the price I have to pay for the impact I want to have, I would pay it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Mm. Right. And he said that to me. and I just felt like such a pansy mm. for like not taking for the step. For being afraid of that. Yeah. And so I was like, and literally the week after that, I made my first YouTube video and that mm. was, that was it. And so do you think this is like a specific moment in time where to be a successful entrepreneur, you do have to be like front of the house and mm. kind of publicly facing, or do you see people who are doing it in discreet ways? I, I don't suppose. think you need to. I do think that increasingly so if just from a statistic perspective cost to acquire a customer on paid media has gone up like 100 percent in a very short period of time so it's doubled like the cost to get a customer has doubled and so what that means is at least how i translate that is brands will need to have trusted ambassadors to associate with so that consumers trust whatever they're buying mm. because trust has never been lower and so you have right. to create a brand that people trust associate with the product and then do it now you can partner with creators. It doesn't can, have to be you, but it has to be somebody. I think I think more brands would benefit from it 
Now, you know, you have the the mega dudes like Elon has basically hacked that system and gone public, made one of the biggest personal brands of all time. And people are like, I like Elon. I will vote for that by buying his shares and buying his cars. Mm. And so like he has a way to monetize every single person on planet Earth in the most efficient monetization vehicle, which is a public company of shares, like the most efficient vehicle to make money if you have a public brand is to go public. Mm. Wait, so what do you mean? I'm sorry. You can make the most money if you have a public brand because if you and think it, of, by public brand, you mean him. Yeah, being the he public is the brand. Yes, yeah, our personal brand. Oh, and then people can invest in the brand because it's just called your stockbroker and put shares in it. And if you think about like the size of a business in terms of potential, it's number of potential units sold times uh, potential gross profit per unit. So like if you're, you know, if I wanted to get into banking, for example, like everybody banks. And so like the TAM is huge, right? So that might be a good opportunity. But like, does my brand resonate with banking? Maybe. Um, but if I wanted to sell something else, then it might have a much smaller target audience and smaller price tag, right? If I want to sell golf clubs, one, it's not really my brand. But if I did, there's a very small percentage of people who do it, but maybe the lifetime value is, is, is higher, you know, per person. So that's like the, that's the, the really hard exercise that a lot of creators have to go through when they're going through. Cause you, you, you don't want to start like a hundred companies. You want to be like, what's the one thing that I can slice that hits the most of my audience mm. that has the most long-term uh, value per customer. And that's pretty much like the, the X mark that you try and find when you're trying to build a brand. But when you're a public company, the, the most expensive thing that someone will buy is all their money to invest in something like mm -hmm. investment opportunities, which is why they're so heavily regulated because everyone will give their life savings to something because it's an investment is anyone can invest in anything, which is why you get the most money from the most amount of people. And so that's why a public company, if you have a front facing founder that is public and like very big and vocal can be a hack to generating the most money on the flip side if elon does something that's egregious the business is he could sink. destroy the entire business it's like yeah. the uber guy travis calendar yeah. or whatever but he, like, but he didn't even have a really he, he wasn't like he know, didn't like have a public, profile like elon even. i guess that was even more internal to like the silicon valley world but yeah everyone's like oh this guy's hard charging he'll run through walls and everyone's yeah. like dude this guy's reckless he's he doing ran like, through too many walls yeah he's doing espionage <laughs> on like his competitors he, and shit he got too stoked yeah he had to cool off. Well, ego too. He was burning on ego. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. To be fair, I don't know. I know. I read one yeah. book, but okay. like, so, uh, I, I, but I, I think we're. I'm, but I feel confident. He seems like he. he he's, yeah, I don't know the dude, but I, for sure. For I sure. Saw Joseph Gordon Levitt, yeah. the pilot. He's like, you're not super pumped. I'm like, wrong kind of stoke. Wrong stoke. Yeah, yeah. He's pushing the the stoke. With the, I want to just to circle back one thing on the authenticity thing with content creators, and chasing like the yeah. the algo. Do you think part of it is like, cause they're chasing the trappings of what come with that success? Bro. Stoke. <laughs> Boulders for shoulders. That's, that's what's up, do. dog. Thanks, man. All right. It's getting warm in here. So, yeah. <laughs> so like, I feel like sometimes the way people go, the mistake, that, I mean, sometimes I think they're chasing profit, but sometimes I think they're chasing other things too, like attention or, yeah. or status, stuff like that. So I guess I was curious, what is like your goal and what you're chasing? So the mission of the business is to make real business accessible for everyone. And so that's why we put out the books and the courses and the content and everything's free. So like my courses are free on my site without any opt-in. Like you don't even have to give me any email. So you just want to democratize consumer. entrepreneurship. Dude, basically. that is, yes. And do you think all people are capable of it, of being an entrepreneur? I, I think yes. of it as like a singular skill that just is blessed in certain people. I think people. If, if we're defining entrepreneurship as just someone who transacts in a business, I think anyone can do that. 
That's really sweet. If any kid, if any kid can start a lemonade stand, then anyone can be an entrepreneur. The question is, how good of an entrepreneur can you be? Now that definitely has, I think, genetic predispositions, just like anything else does, and also just nature nurture side of it. Like, if you if you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs, likely that you're an entrepreneur is significantly higher than if you grow up in a family of government workers. It's mm-hmm. just so, what are the likely. muscles of entrepreneurship that you would most recommend people work on? And I know it's probably case by case, but broadly, delayed gratification. Yeah, baby. Like number one, and to be fair, that's probably for everything. But delayed gratification is number one. Um, being generous first, which is really tough for a lot of people. Like being 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 willing to a give more than you get back, and give without expectation, and that kind of pairs with the delayed gratification thing, which is like I'm going to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, and I also have to accept that some people will burn me, and that shouldn't dissuade me from continuing to give. Mm-hmm. And so I say like that's probably number one, number two, um, and then number three is being romantic about the work and not the outcome. So yeah. like I got, I was, I, I was on this podcast not that long ago and someone asked me, they're like, so what motivates you now? So we crossed a hundred million dollars in net worth when I was 31, I'm 34 now. Um, and you know, I, I publicly say, I'm like, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna document my way to a billion and beyond. And that's kind of all the stuff I'm sharing, you know, to, to the audience. But like that, that idea doesn't motivate me. It's also like way in the future. Like it would be a one-time thing. We'd cross the line. I'd be like, well, now what? Right. Mm-hmm. The thing that has unlocked more juice for me than anything else is this is, I'm, I'm going to try and say it in a way that's not trite. Actually seeing what your best looks like. Like I think there's a little giants, you know, the movie, the football movie. Yeah. Talk about I think it it's that time. movie when he, he's like, is that your best? And he gets on the thing. It might be that, or it's, it's one of the football movies and he, you know, he's doing the push thing where the coach is on the, on mm-hmm. the little machine guy and he pushes him and he says, you can stop when you've done your best. And he stops at like the 30 yard line and he's like, is that your best? And then he like, he pushes again and he's like, and now he's at the 50 and he's like, is that your best? Mm-hmm. And he pushes again and he's like, is that your best? And he goes all the way and he pushes it past the end zone. Right. And then the kid gets off completely. Like, I want to leave nothing on the field, but I want to see what nothing on the field actually looks like. And I think the more I do, the more I realize I can do. And that's what gets me stoked. So have you found, sorry. Uh, yeah. Was there a moment? When you, because you, I get, did you have that big moment, like a hundred million? Is that, so you, you reached that milestone, right? Mm-hmm. Was there sort of like, you were like, that, that's, that's the end goal. Was there a part of you like, that's the end goal. And then you got there and you had that kind of thing where you're like, is this it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I felt nothing with it, but I yeah. also expected to feel nothing with it. And so okay. I started acquisitions.com the day after. Right. So like, I'm not a bit like, I, so I have now realized just from my own self that the time that I, when I look back on my life, the things that I enjoyed the most have been the pursuit, not the goal. Like when I actually look backwards. Now, mm-hmm. looking forwards, you think it's the goal. But looking yeah. backwards, all my happiest times are like when I was even in the struggle, sleeping in the gym. Like when you have a worthy foe that challenges you to the nth of your ability and forces you to get better. Mm-hmm. Like that flow. Yeah, get me fired up right now. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That flow is where is where I feel most alive. A goal worth pursuing. That's that makes you stronger because you're fortified in that pursuit. Like if you don't know what you're going after, you you can anyone can kick your ass basically. And so that 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 has been like true. So I think I saw this interview from Kobe that I just like loved, and they said so most athletes are either really afraid of losing or they really want to win. I don't know if you saw this. I just saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And he says I don't think I'm either. Um, And me paraphrasing what his response was is like. He just wanted to do the absolute best he possibly could, divorced of outcome. Right. And I think that a lot of people will say something like, "Yeah, I just, I just want to try really hard." But then there's like, there's the second part of the sentence where they're like, "So that I can win, so that I can whatever." 
which means that that's still not the goal. It's just the vehicle. But I think like the thing that I've been working the most on myself that has been yielding me disproportionate returns in terms of my effort and what I'm getting out of myself is cutting the second half of the sentence off and saying like, how hard can I work? You just want to know how hard you can try. How I much... want to see how, how hard I can and try. Have you felt that limit? Have you pushed the, the tackling dummy as far as it'll go? Have you seen what your limit is in emptying the tank? Or do you think it's like not finite? It could keep growing. That's what it is. I just think, I think that the more you do, the more you realize you can do. You feel big, huh? Like, cause you're just like, dude, I could just keep. You proved yourself. You give evidence. You're mm -hmm. like, well, I did that. So that gives me evidence that I, I can probably go a little further. And then you do that and you're like, it just, you just get this never ending momentum of like, cause like the, the first book I wrote has done really, really well. hundred million dollar offers. Um, it has like 17,000 five stars on Amazon. It's a, it's always a top 100 book still like two years later. Um, and when I wrote my second book, hundred million dollar leads, I worked on that book five times harder than I did on the first book. Mm. And I think that that book will outsell the first book over the the longevity of its you know book career. Mm -hmm. um, but I had so much enjoyment from seeing how hard it was to really write. That, that book is probably the hardest book I'll ever write because it was literally trying to consolidate advertising into a single book, which is mine so hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it unlocked a new level of effort. And I know that future books that I write, that will be the new baseline. That'll be the new minimum standard that I that I know I can do. And so like the idea, cause I was thinking about this actually this morning, weirdly, like I was, I was fast forwarding to like, if I had a kid and they they were playing peewee soccer or whatever, right? I don't, I don't wanna be the dad who's like, you won high five or you lost high five. I wanna be the dad who's completely divorced from the outcome. And like we won 10 to zero and I look at little Timmy and I'm like, you did not try your hardest. Mm. And on the flip side, if we lost 10 to zero and he left everything on the field, I'd be like, you fucking crushed it. Right. Like, I am proud of you. Yeah. And that's been like, and I, and I want to keep that same perspective for myself. If I'm Timmy and future me is dad looking back, like I want to make that man proud. And that man's the only man who knows how hard I could have tried, but didn't. So like everyone else will give you applause for the stuff that you're already really good at and do well at because they're comparing your outcome to what they think they could achieve. Mm. But like only you can compare your effort to what you know you could have tried. Mm. And I think that's like that gap is what I'm trying to close in myself. And that's the like that's the journey I'm on right now. And the business is just the outward manifestation of that. Mosey Nation, real quick, if you are a business owner that has a big old business and wants to get to a much bigger business, going to 50, $100 million plus, we would love to talk to you. And if you like that or would like to hear more about it, go to acquisition.com. You can apply anywhere on the page and talk to one of our team and see if we can help you get there. What's the main prohibitor in terms of emptying the tank? Is it fear that it won't work out if you do or is it just laziness? You mean, why don't people? Yeah, because I feel like everybody can empty the tank and I feel like most people don't, or maybe they just have too much responsibility and they don't have like the bandwidth to do it the way they'd want to. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's well, one, there's a lack of comfort because it's usually new. Like you push the, you push past the comfort zone. You're outside of where you're um, used to. I have a hard time in general, just a side note, answering why questions, because I don't know why anyone does anything, but. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, and I'm asking you like you should know. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh. do you know? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. But okay, so when you're in yourself, how do you? Yeah. How do you on the days where you don't empty the tank because they must come? Sure. How do you rationalize that to yourself that you didn't have it that day? Um. So I. So the times when I don't empty my tank now is usually when I don't have clarity on what I should be doing. Hmm. If I have a really clear goal of what I need to do, that is my like that's my shit. Like if I have a three day weekend and a blank calendar and a big goal and a lot of coffee, like 
I it's you will best. never find a happier version of me. Just chowing like I I call it like I need another bone. Mm-hmm. Like and right now because I just launched the book and I like literally next week we have our big leadership meeting, and my my whole talk to the team is like I need another bone, and so like. Let's just figure out what Alex's bone's going to be, and I'm going to gnaw on it for the next 18 months. I feel like a good marker for finding what you really want to do in life is when you don't notice weekends or holidays. Oh. Where you just sort of like, I remember, because when I started doing comedy, it's like, I was teaching like surf lessons, and there was 4th of July was coming up. Yeah. I didn't even know, 4th of July is like my favorite holiday. I didn't even like notice it, you know? it Just doing open mics, and, yeah, like, yeah. and you just sort of like, like, oh, 4th of July went by. And and like then you're like okay now I, now I know I'm really locked into what I want to do. You don't experience FOMO if you're doing something better. If you're yeah. in your GOMO, dude. <laughs> nailed, dude. It. nailed it. Clip it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have a? What's your biggest vice? Vice. Yeah. Um. I mean, I drink on occasion. If you mm-hmm. want to consider that a vice, that's a vice. Um. If you want to consider dessert advice, you could, but like I just eat in my macros. It doesn't really matter too much. Um, you like ice cream? Yeah. I love ice yeah, cream. Yeah, big ice cream fan. Me too. I'd say it's. T- I'd say if I had to pick up only one type of dessert, it would be ice cream. Dude, same. Yeah. I, d- I like mixed I like mixed methodologies though. I like like warm cookie ice cream with like crunch. Oh, contrast. Dude. Yeah, exactly. A little That's texture. Nice. I want yeah. temperature contrast. I want texture contrast. Yeah, right. my brother was talking shit one time on Pazookies. He was like, oh, oh dude. BJ's. He's like, he's like, <laughs> it's just a, the best dessert He's like, it's time. just a cookie with ice cream. I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> all it is. Yeah. Just, just it doesn't just. need to be other. He's like, I guess he didn't like the name, but I'm like, well, they got to call it something. I think Pazookie works, but those two things together, I, it's kind of undefeated, bro. They do need to change. Pazookie sounds too much like Dookie. Right. I think they need to change it to Pazookie. Uh, yeah. They could just go like cookie. Yeah. Pudding. Not, not Pazuki. <laughs> this is not Dookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's people define themselves too much yeah. by what they're not, but not by what they are, which I do think is a yeah. modern phenomenon that distracts me and bothers me. Yeah, I think they have more examples to look at to say what they're not. Do you have people like, I, I'm sorry that I, I frame it in like a, I'm, it's not that I'm looking for like holes in the game, but I'm, I, I'm genuinely curious. <laughs> like, do you, it, do you have a mentor? It, it's gonna sound weird as shit, so yeah. But it's wildly narcissistic. It's yourself, sort of. That's so, what I kind of was. Yeah. yeah. So basically, um, all right, uh, we're gonna go into it. All right, we're gonna go deep, bro. We're gonna go deep. Hey, we're we'll go, go deep. with Hell you. Yeah. All right. You got the light on your head. Dude, we're behind you in the cave. Like, let's find out. Roller coaster. Let's let's put the, Chad, put the JT seat. And Alex, yeah, we click in. So so there's something called the Solomon paradox, and so the Solomon paradox. If you remember King Solomon from the Old Testament, Genius. really wise guy, smart guy, exactly. And so the Solomon Paradox simply states that people give better advice to other people than they follow themselves. Absolutely. And so they've actually observed this in psychology exam. They do double blind. They, they actually whitewash someone's own personal stats from something. And then they have the same person look at themselves from an objective perspective, not knowing it's themselves. And they the advice they give that person differs from what they do in reality, mm. which to me just indicates that there are, there are emotions at play when it's your own stuff, but you can be more logical and impartial when it's from the outside in. Mm. And so one of the things I've, I've struggled to have like therapists and coaches. I've, I've never been able to like do it well um, because I feel like 90% of the time that I'm talking to them, I'm trying to give them context around a decision so they can help me make a decision, um, which feels like a big waste of time, especially like, it's like, I need you to have lived my whole life so you can have context on why this, why this decision means something. Mm-hmm. On the flip side is that I also feel like they have misaligned incentives, meaning like they're only incentives for me to come to the next session. They want mm-hmm. you back. They right. need the money to keep right. coming in. They don't want you to get too good. Exactly. I mean, like 
as shitty as it sounds, kind of, mm-hmm. right? And so, so taking all that in consideration, people are better at giving advice to other people. Uh, I have to give context to somebody in order to get some advice. And then there are incentives are aligned. I was like, well, what would be the best person to give me advice? And so for me, the best person to give me advice has been my mental envisionment of, of 85 year old me, who's already achieved every goal that I wanted and more and is the man that I would like to be. Mm. And then having basically sessions with that man and saying, hey, it's Monday. This is what I have on my docket this week. What do you think? And then I put my 85 year old self hat on and I'm like, all right, well, you know, what's the goal? What are you trying to work on? I'm like, well, this. And he's like, well, what are your concerns? I'm like, well, this is kind of what I'm worried about. Well, you know, that's not going to matter. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But this, what about this other thing? So I can skip past the 90% of giving context because future me already has context on the situation. Future me is also 100% aligned with long-term me, which is, I think, a big thing because short-term me always wants to make, you know, short-term decisions. Mm -hmm. But long-term me is like, dude, like, let's do this for us, right? Like, and the, the biggest thing that's gotten me through really hard times has been working to gain the approval of that man mm. and in a lot of ways it's scary because it's the hardest man's approval to gain because he always knows how much harder i could have pushed mm-hmm. and so it has forced me to pick fewer things to try and excel at because i know for me to get the red you know the, the stamp of approval from future me who i call solomon even though it's future me um to get the approval of solomon i need to leave it all on the field and so like walking into the book launch, we had like 500,000 people who registered for the launch, it's like a whole city. It's like Baltimore, like it's like yeah. all of them. Yeah. Um, like when I, when I walked up, I knew that I had made Solomon proud before I stepped on stage. And so I didn't have a lot of stage fright because I knew I had prepared a ton. I'd done every single day for the weeks leading up to it. I had done, uh, one, I'd said, the, said the, the presentation out loud and then I had done a recording of the presentation and then I would watch the presentation with my slides up and edit the slides. And I did that every single day for the entire month leading up to it. So I'd already done the speech like a hundred times before I stepped on stage. And so independent of what happened, Solomon was like, you have my approval and that is enough. Mm. And I think that that's been it for me. It's like, if I can gain that man's approval, then the noise from the outside world and the approval of others has mattered less and less. And that's my continuous that is my pursuit, is to make that man's opinion the only opinion I listen to. How jacked is Solomon when you visualize him? The limit does not exist. <laughs> Bro, he's a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> who's, 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 uh, say you look at like a 75-year-old bodybuilder. Who, yeah. Which physique, who, which bodybuilder who's older now do you mm-hmm. look up to the most? I think Frank Zane has a great physique. He aged yeah. extremely well. He stayed in shape. Um, there are more and more examples now because there's all this anti-aging stuff and people take better care. We have more science. We know, we know things now. Um, but yeah, that'd probably, be, that'd be the, the single example of, of guys. Do you think he has the most beautiful body in like Olympia kind of history? Not my favorite body. I think he's Lee aged Haney? the best. Um, I think Lee had a great body. My favorite, I really love Flex Wheeler's body. Mm. Flex was just like, oh, look at real quick. Oh, look, look at the black off. and there's a black and white image of Flex Wheeler that's just like unbelievable. So he's before Arnold, right? No, he's after. He's Flex Wheeler's after. after. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's after Arnold. Um Damn. Uh Milo Sarchev, uh, at his peak time. I loved his body. Uh Mike Menser. Mm. He loved Mike Menser's body. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't even know these dudes' rigs. And I used to follow this. I was I was oh, like, yeah. I had a subscription to Muscle and Fitness. I don't know uh, what happened. Yeah, well, <laughs> Menser's like Arnold's out. days. Menser's like Arnold's time. Yeah. Um I can only remember the chain. I'm a, I'm you know. 
personally, I don't know if you can tell by what I'm going for, <laughs> but I'm going for Ronnie. <laughs> I'm a Coleman head. I almost didn't. I mean, I've, I know I look more like a Dexter Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Dexter but I'm going for Ronnie. Right, Flex yeah, and, I, and I actually and I actually really like Flex Wheeler's body. Sorry, mm -hmm. no, um, Phil Heath's body. Really like Phil, Phil Heath's. Yo, though, they started uh, to get a little bit less yeah. gargantuan, right? In his era, they they toned it down from the Coleman like 320 weight. Kind I don't of stuff. know. I just think there haven't been enough. I mean, um, Big Ramy, Big Ramy was like the biggest bodybuilder who won, and he won in the last three years. It's just a black and white of Flex. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. There's not. You know, he keeps the abdomen a little more tight too than a. He's exceptional. I have a random one, but Laird Hamilton. Who? Laird Hamilton. Surfer guy. Yeah, you'd get uh, along with him. Okay. Yeah. He, I think he'd be right up your Yeah, alley. I could see you guys like slapping hands for yeah, sure. Yeah. You guys, do you uh, do ice baths? Not really. No? No. He does this uh, workout thing where you lift weights underwater oh. in Malibu. He's like a big wave surfer guy. But I'd check out his documentary on Hulu. It's very inspiring. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. kicking ass the whole time. Yeah. Dude, I did a peptides recently. Okay. And I had to get off him because I think I did too many out the gates. Got too jacked. Yeah. <laughs> too fast. <laughs> I, I get it. You got huge, I dude. wish, bro. But I was taking CJC 1295, BPC 157. I don't know what any of these are. No? <laughs> I mean, you haven't delved into that world? Not peptides, no. No, yeah. And it, it also made me a little bit manic, which I'm a little predisposed to. So okay. I just woke up at three in the morning and my first thought was, you're amazing. And I was like, I need to slow down. I feel like that stuff, I feel like you should take more of that. Yeah, maybe I should. Yeah, I don't know why I was so wary of that thought. It was yeah. probably just the volume you wake up with too much. a little intense. Yeah, also I was like, you know what, if I was thinking about my Solomon, I was like, I don't know if you've earned that thought right now, so it doesn't feel <laughs> egocentric to the moment you're in, and that's why I pushed it out, bro. Fair. But I appreciate you wanting me to feel that. Dude. But um, are you are you very adventurous with that stuff, or do you keep it pretty tight? No, I've been on TRT for four years, five years. So I was 28 or 29 when I started TRT. I, I did it when I was 18 for a summer, and I was doing HGH together. Mm -hmm. It was most fun summer of my life but i fucked up my shoulder i was just oh. doing more overhead lifting than i should have been oh. doing and then it ultimately resulted five years later in surgery so ah. the longevity part of it is the thing it's that everything. people don't look out for well it's like i mean i keep it's like if you, if you can't do it for a decade don't do it for a day like i just love that frame um and especially i mean when it comes to anything but especially fitness stuff so everything for me starts with joint pain which is like which of these hurt my joints the least mm. that i can do the most amount of volume on and then those are the ones that I hammer so that I can just accumulate the most fatigue on the muscle and then ultimately drive the most growth. And for shoulders, which one is that? Exercises? Mm-hmm. Um, so like overhead press, for example, doesn't doesn't build shoulders a ton. Now you build strength for sure. I mean, you'll get a ton of core strength. You'll get a lot of, there's a lot of tricep uh, in overhead press, especially like from here up, is, it's all tricep. So <clears throat> oftentimes the limiter isn't your, isn't your shoulders. So like if you do overhead press, oftentimes like you could do this and then like at the end you could do these. So it's like your delts are not the limiter, your triceps are. Mm -hmm. So you can't finish the lift because you still have juice in your, in your delts, but you don't have juice in your triceps, right? Mm -hmm. So if you actually use perfect form as your, as your, um, as your compass for when you stop reps, then you always stop shorter when you're, when your shoulders are done. And so I do a lot more like lateral raises and things like that to build shoulders because they are the sole focus. I can take them beyond death. So that's and giving then, you more width? Yeah. And are you strict with the technique or are you swinging them? Uh, so I, I, I train, a, so I'm strict with the technique for all of my first reps and I will continue to do the same technique but with less and less range of motion. So like if I'm doing lateral raises, like I'll hit perfect for the first 10 or 12 and then I'll hit three quarters and then I'll hit whatever. Now I don't do that on every set, but if I want to like finish the last two sets off really strong, I'll do something like that. Like I want to, I want to squeeze everything out of it. 
to be fair, delts are also muscles that can recover faster. They're smaller. They can take more workload than like your back can. Like mm-hmm. if you're doing deadlifts, like training that way is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. I think I messed up my shoulder doing the really yeah overhead press. Yeah, because you know, you know, I had like a thing where my brother, he's a, like a similar build to you, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw him over Fourth of July, and he just looked like a tank. So I was like, I need to lift more because I've always been more of like a cardio guy. Yeah, and now my shoulder kind of hurts, so I'm back on yoga. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that's. That's where I, 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 I like the bodybuilding perspective. Like, in my opinion, bodybuilding is the most functional training. Right. Hear me out. Because being jacked is functional. Right. Like, every time I'm on video, I'm using it. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm in a picture, I'm using it. Whereas people are like, well, when you are you, you, yeah, you going to let? Yeah, and you can't either. You but know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't need to. Oh, not you. Not yeah, like yeah. No, I, one, I, no, I didn't one. say yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, you're right. The utility of it is to yeah. appear like you could kill a lion. That's half yeah. of it. It's like no one looks at a peacock with their plumage and they're like, yeah, but that can't stab a rhinoceros. It's like, well, I don't need to. I got to impress the girl over here. It's crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. Sexy, sexy dog. Yeah, no one's going to say pe- like, peacocks literally invented peacocking. Yeah. Right. I know. And then Mystery totally stole it from him. They're the originators. So with that, with gals, did you always have pretty good rhythm or was that something you worked on similar to your body, similar to your entrepreneurial spirit? Um, I always did okay there. Um, yeah. Good. You know what? <laughs> I like where you're landing it. Just leave it there. It's not a good thing to volumize on. People talk about it. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. How do you feel about that? Like all these, I guess I'll speak for myself. Yeah. All these podcasts where like 40 year old dudes are talking about like how to get laid and stuff like that. I'm Weird. like, what are you doing? I'm yeah. like, shouldn't you have like a family and like something like <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's like, look, man, if I see a girl and she like, you know, looks at another guy, I'm like later, I'm like, dude, you're 42. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> Go home and like pet your dog and <laughs> cook a burger. Put some Benge on, you know, yeah. I'm sure those joints are hurting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, it just speaks to me of like yeah. a culture that has like misaligned values, I guess. I think it's the polarization of gender roles. So it's just like right now, gender's the hot topic. I don't talk about it because I don't want to get into it. Um, but because there's so much around definition of terms, people are just oscillating on opposite sides it's of the a pendulum. Fight. Yeah, it's 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 really like a, a posturing move. And I'm hey, like, I'm a big do whatever you want guy. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't I haven't I, I purposely steered clear of that movement because. That's not my that's not my message. Like mine is about entrepreneurship and believing that the only like there are a lot of problems in the world and I believe that entrepreneurship and business is the most efficient way to solve problems. Mm. And so I will not be able to solve all the problems in the world. I don't think anyone can. But I can at least help equip the future entrepreneurs who will. And if everyone has a house, we'll be fighting about that stuff less. I do think like there's a lot of <laughs> efficacy and if people are, you know, have food security and, and shelter yeah. security, maybe some of these other fights that we're having that are more on the margins won't feel as significant. I, I you know, I would actually argue the opposite. Oh, you think that, oh, you think because we have security- We have, we have to find our, something our else to argue about. Time. Needs, yeah. Because the bottom part yeah. of the pyramid's taken care of, we're like, let's yeah. fight about more nebulous stuff. Yeah, because if, if you go to Africa, they're not arguing about it because they want food. People say that, but I went to Africa, they're fighting, no, I'm really? kidding. Okay, I was like, I was like <laughs> really? <laughs> that, like, that would've been the best counterpoint. <laughs> J- J- yeah. JT, you gotta try- JT, you gotta try negging. Yeah, yeah, No, that was great. No, but I think I think it's, it's we have we have so much abundance in everything that we have. We're, we're trying to find so Layla, my wife, found this really interesting study on this. But basically, the number of problems that the brain finds is always the same. 
Yes. And so all you do is switch the things that you see are problems. Mm. And I just thought that, so then, then it, for me, it helped me think about problems as not problems because they're just a thing that will always be there. And so the easiest way to solve a problem is to decide it's not a problem to begin with. It's just the mind's function. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's supposed to do that because it's trying to keep you alive. Yeah. yeah. It's trying to determine that threats. Yeah. Like the really happy monkey probably didn't do as well as the paranoid monkey that was watching out for lions because the happy monkey's like, dude, life is awesome. And then <laughs> done. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But the other one that was like, Vigilant. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like this place, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Like stressed out his mind. Like yeah. he's he's up in the tree and the other guy's like, it's fine. You it's always the rain, relax, and then done. Yeah, you're always gonna right? be the same level of stressed out. Just have those good problems to yeah. focus on. Yeah. Champagne problems. Like that's the that's the goal. Would you argue that the monkey that was happy but died early had a better life? Yes. And what's what what really like uh bends my noodle is when we even use the word early. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go dark and then we're gonna go light. All right. Perfect. So I had a cat named Bill, nickname Chill Bill. Nice. Um, awesome dude, Max Stoke. Yeah. And Bill was always chill, best cat I ever had. <laughs> and he like he was like a dog. He would just like chill. Right. Like he would come up and just like he'd just always be around you. He's like, hey, I'm here. If you need something, I'm here. And I was like, I appreciate that. And so one day, and Bill was a young cat when I had him. He was a young lad. And then um. Like, I think like 20 months later, he died, like he died of like some freak heart thing. His heart was too big. Classic. Right. Um, evidenced by his chill nature. And uh, it actually, I think we actually found out it was because, like, it was because of that. Because like his, his heart beat differently. So he literally was like extra chill. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like too, too chill. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But so I was really sad. Yeah. And I was like, why am I sad? Like, why am I sad about Bill? And so I thought about it and I was like, I'm, I'm sad because I think he should have lived longer. Like it felt unfair that he died at like just under two years old as a cat. So then I thought, what if all cats only lived six months and Bill actually made it like four lifetimes? And then I was like, that's deep. Hmm. I was like, I'd probably be really stoked that he lived such a long, amazing life. And so it was only based on my expectation that he should live 10 years or 12 years or something rather than saying, well, on the scale of 5,000 years, we're all living that short period of time. And so if I die at 30 or I die at 70 on a 5,000 year timeline, who cares? Mm -hmm. yeah, and so like, that helped me get over like, like did the monkey die too early? It's like the monkey died and he had a good life. Right. Yeah. It's like someone dies like of natural causes. They die because, you know, they have a, a painless uh, aneurysm in sure. their sleep, which sounds like a bummer. Next day, whole city floods. Everyone else dies by drowning. Who yeah. had it better? Yeah. Mm. Aneurysm, bro, with 24 hours less. Yeah. And I think I think thinking about death too is such a great can be a motivator and yeah. helps you to give less fucks. You it's know? truth. Because we, we we had a, like a show come out down. and like oh uh, yeah we're going deep. Yeah. No, I mean I'm gonna die. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna die. Both. I'm almost certain. <laughs> but like it's it's uh like we had a show come out and Last it's like day. you get so <laughs> consumed in your like ego, you know, because you're like thinking about. Yeah, well, how's it gonna perform? Shit. Yeah, how's yeah. it gonna perform? Are yeah. people gonna think I'm if it doesn't do well? Are they gonna think I'm a loser? All that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Then you think, well, I'm gonna die one day. Yeah. What does it matter? Yeah. So I think I just think it's thinking about. I think the Stokes do that. They think about they death, and it's like all the time. It's very freeing. Yeah, you just want to empty Stoke inducing. Put the clip yeah. into that machine gun and just pin that trigger and just yeah. let them out into the air. Just yeah. think about dying. Nonviolent bullets. Yeah. Think about <laughs> dying. <laughs> think about dying. Kisses of yeah, bullets of love. Yeah. Think about dying makes me more stoked. Yeah, than to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, to live. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should end with uh, 
We do of the weeks, but we're trying to mix them up right now. All right. Do you have a song of the week that's really banging for you? Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me? can you get him his guitar? <laughs> so I would I would have said that that Oliver song that went super viral. Yeah. I would have said that. But now it's but too like I don't want to get yeah I don't want to get I don't want to get all I just I did I listened to that song like it's 40 fucking times. good. It's a the great song's song. good. Yeah. But I'll play you a different song that I've been jamming on this week. Hell yeah. Do you have one, doggy? I'll think of one. Here it is. I'm ready. Ooh. It's like classical. Mm -hmm. Texture. Come on. Oh, dude. Jay-Z, Rihanna, and E.S. Posthumous. Yes, Posthumous. And that's the dude who threw it together? Yeah. That's the man. Dude. Um, I'll go. For, do, you, do you have yours? I can go. I mean, I, I'm just really psyched on this artist, Peggy Ooh, Goo. Okay. You Peggy Goo? No. I love Peggy Goo. Peggy Goo. Peggy Goo. All right. She's a Korean DJ. And Ooh. she's she's big in Europe right now. I think she's breaking into Huge America. in Germany. Like yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. That's the dream. <laughs> He's a god. But I... I uh, <laughs> So I already I already talked about our one song Na 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 on, a, on another podcast, but I'll do Starry Night just because I'm psyched on Peggy Goo. Yeah, I, I'm gonna do Na Na Na. Yeah, do what you feel, I'm baby. Do na -na. Yeah, baby, right, what's so. gonna get us feeling? You do one of these as you're yeah. walking in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People Flick, are responding. Flicking the, the sunglasses. People are responding. They're oh, pointing yeah. back. They're like, "Yeah, you got it." Yeah, yeah. yeah, he knows. You rip your shirt this off. This is my day. Yeah, this is gonna be my day. It's very gentle. That's Three, what I like about it. Four children come up to your your heels and start and lift you up like toddlers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, strong. And they carry. Yeah, yeah. Carry. Four, four. Yeah. And right? toddlers know the truth. Yeah, uh, dude, the strength of body ratio for toddlers through the roof. They're, They're like, like Amber has no like clothes and he doesn't need them, dude. This guy looks good. Yeah. Man. Um. All right, I'm gonna go with Good Charlotte, The River. Oh Ooh. yeah. Yeah, epic kind of L.A. song. I love dude, Good see, Charlotte. Dude, here's the thing about Good Charlotte. They actually kind of go hard, but people don't know. Because they went soft, and then once you go soft, people forget you can go hard. They brand you with, they associate you They want you to be one right? thing, yeah. Is this new? No, this is like 16 years old. Uh, so yeah, it's new. Feels new, though. Do the valley of the shadow of that. Dude, I was listening to this at the gym, and I was like, dude, I'm just a guy in LA going for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, dude, the people at the gym could see my energy. I was like, yeah, I'm in it, dude. Yeah. I'm in it, bro. I'm feeling things. And All you right. got, so at the gym, you're just getting up nods, like. I'm getting a lot of up and dude, up nod is way dude. That's such a good call that it's an up nod, not a down nod. Oh no, down nod's a little bit like, like watch slow out, down. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up nod's like that's what's up. Yeah, yeah. All right, he here gets comes the it. chorus. <laughs> that's dude, it. you went all the way, man. Dude, I loved it. And that's the thing about the gym too. Dude, I was gonna say this. You must have noticed this. The gym, demographically, it's all races, all ages, mm -hmm. all people. That's it. when I go to Twenty Four Hour in North yep. Hollywood. The spread is insane. You know it's, what's cool? The iron doesn't care we're all wow. brothers under the iron like 500 pounds is 500 pounds this yeah, is what it is yeah. that's the title of this podcast <laughs> well, sweet man care. well thank you for coming on Dude, thank yeah you guys. So, it's such a pleasure man it's really appreciate fun. you guys honored. thank you yeah, i felt thank like we you. really cooked with gasoline that was yeah, nice yeah. oh nice okay yeah. i uh it's yeah. the preheat and then we switch straight to the charcoal maybe a yeah. wood wood plank <laughs> okay tell Ooh, me about yeah. it yeah. Like a little cedar going wow. some, some aromatics let it simmer yeah freaking traeger yeah 
Dude, yeah, such a pleasure, man. Thank you. It was mutual. Thank you guys for having Sweet. me. Awesome. Sweet.